the Jersey Baseball Show. We are here with Zach Stitchway from Don Bosco Prep. We've got a great show for you talking about Zach's background and most unique story. Welcome, Zach. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's let's talk because you just took your official visit recently to the University mm -hmm. of Maryland. Congratulations. You, you kind of... Uh, Going into a great situation there next year to, to college, P5, Big Ten, close, relatively close by, but playing for a, uh, you know, a school that has had a, a strong history, especially recently, going with a couple of uh, Jersey guys, Kyle McCoy, who we'll have on the on the show in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, and one of your close friends, Devin Russell. So uh, let's let's talk about how excited you are for your college uh, journey or your journey to continue there. Uh, I, I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity that I get to play there. It kind of worked itself out in a matter of fate. To start my journey with Maryland, uh, it was my freshman year of high school. It was around February. We were down visiting my uh, grandparents, my mom's side of the family, who happened to live in South Jersey. And I reached out to Carter at Tri-State Arsenal because I needed to throw a bullpen the next day. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Just come in. We'll uh, take a little video, get you on the gun. And so I went in, I threw a bullpen, I topped 85, which is pretty solid for a freshman, but I had more in the tank later on in the year. <laughs> um, so then that led to me ending up playing with them over the summer. And in my first ever event with them, I ended up starting the game and I pitched, I think, four innings scoreless and Coach Swope, the hitting coach at Maryland, saw me. And that was how I first got on their radar. And they were actually there to see a kid on the other team. <laughs> the funniest part, I think it was either Caleb S or Cam Johnson. Uh, Caleb's a shortstop in my class, and uh, Cam Johnson actually recently decommitted, and he's going to LSU now. So um, that started it, and then they followed me really closely for the next, honestly, eight months or so. And I – during that time, I started getting a little bit more attention from other schools, bigger programs, other names. But the thing that stuck out to me most about Maryland was the sheer investment of time and care that they put into all of their recruits prior to them even reaching the campus, prior to them even being committed. If you're being recruited by Maryland, they're looking at you for more than just your athletic prowess. They care to see who you are as a young man, how you're doing academically, what your responsibilities are, what your goals are, what drives you, what makes you tick. They really, they really do a great job at vetting who they bring in. And I think that reflects in the classes that they brought in the past two years and are going to be bringing in within the next two, three years. Um, so Coach Corey Muscara, who is actually now at Wake Forest, was the guy that was integral in me ending up in Maryland. He had a very, very close relationship with my pitching coach, Jim Wadica. Um, they both pitched at St. John's and developed a working relationship there. And Jim had actually sent a couple pitchers to him. One who transferred out, Connor Stain. He's down in Florida now. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Ramsey, who's still at Maryland shoving. But, yeah. So that was Maryland. It was okay. uh, a lot of factors that played into it. Yeah. So And, and so you were at Seton Hall Prep then, right? You, you mm -hmm. were there your first two years of high school. You yes. said that, uh, you know, you, so you pretty much, you had a great ninth grade year in school, right? You guess you said that uh, you had the chance to pitch against most of your, your Don Bosco buddies now uh, yeah. and did all right against them. 
Yeah. The biggest reason why I left Seton Hall Prep was I actually placed into an academic program there called the Seton Scholars Program. And it was just ridiculously difficult. <laughs> I, my grades were fine. That wasn't the issue. It was just the time constraints because I realized that I had to take the next step when it came to my training with baseball, whether it be in the weight room or on the bullpen tweaking my mechanics. I know that I needed more time to dedicate towards that where I was getting four to five hours of homework every single night and probably at least two or three quizzes each day. And it, it just wasn't working out for me there. But um, yeah, other than that, Don Bosco was the best decision I uh, made. What, what is it about the environment there, the, the class that you're playing with, you're part of what most people who, I guess, study or experts on this say certainly are the number one team in, in New Jersey going into the season, probably one of the best in the East Coast in the country. Um, but, you know, beyond that, what, what was, you know, when you say it's one of the best decisions you've ever made, you know, knowing you a little bit, that's, that means it probably goes certainly beyond just baseball. It definitely does go beyond just baseball. And I don't want to talk about like preseason rankings or any of that. Cause they were saying that last year for us, we definitely right. probably were the best, ever, but it just didn't work out because there was kind of just some weird situations that went on and we ended up facing uh, St. Joe's regional who were just amazing, full of talented kids, gritty kids that are just going to go up, do whatever they need to, to get that win. And played them four times, lost three out of four times, but it was a great game every single time. Um, but Don Bosco, in addition to having a great baseball program under Coach Rooney, Coach Dwyer, Coach Wadica, and Coach Shalalia, um, it's just an amazing environment. I don't want to come off as a spokesperson for the school, but I, I can sell it a little bit. Um, the difference, the biggest difference I've noticed is the teachers and faculty, they, they really, really care. Um, and, you know, that's actually, unfortunately, kind of rare when it comes to the education system, whether it be public or private. They will take the time to, if you ask them one day, stay an extra hour after class with you. They'll always come around and try to make sure you're on track. It's just you step on the campus and we are fortunate enough to have a legitimate campus. We got four different buildings, a pond, ton of athletic fields. It's just gorgeous. Every morning, even when it's 24 degrees, you're happy to be there. You're walking down from the parking lot with your buddies or you're going to hang out with them somewhere before class. And it's just it's just a great place. It uh, really feels like home. And that's what everyone says that graduates. That's what most of the teachers and former students say. And I, I really was fortunate enough to understand that uh, last year and this year. Yeah. And, and especially going through, you know, a covid year where, where everything was different. I, I'm sure it feels even better to have that. I don't want to say normalcy yet, but but just kind of that place where you're going every day where, where you get that feeling. Yeah, not quite normalcy yet, but I think the biggest thing that was a huge factor in really helping me develop a love for the school was that we were the, I believe, only school that was fully open in Bergen County last year. We were there starting from the beginning of the school year, five days a week. And the only time people would ever go on Zoom is they actually gave us the option last year if we wanted to go on Zoom or if someone actually had COVID and then, you know, they had to join Zoom. But uh, other than that, everything was in person 100%. They put in protocols. They shortened the classrooms. They added extended learning areas where you would actually go to limit the amount of students in the classroom at one time. You would join the class via Zoom. But, yeah, it was uh, – they figured it out. And now we're all back to normal. 
just the only thing that's still hanging over is the masks. Yeah, yeah, that that might be for a while. Um, so, so your story is unique, right? Literally, right from the beginning, right? Um, you know, you were not born here. You were not born in North Jersey. You were born in Russia. Yes, uh, I was born in a small town. I believe it was called Komsomol. And then I was sent to the orphanage in Havarsk. And this is kind of close to Manchuria, China, right across the river, like two miles southwest than I would have been Chinese. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's that in itself is crazy. That I didn't know. But you were <laughs> adopted um, age 10 months, right, before your first birthday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your parents. Um, yeah deserve an amazing amount of credit for for your story obviously um you ever think about you know i mean i i guess it's different because you never you you probably don't remember much of those first 10 months i wouldn't think (laughs) um but but still you know what what could have been if it weren't for them uh probably would have been poverty in the post-ussr russian climate in not a very wealthy area yeah. So and, there's that. And on the other hand, I'm here where I am. I'm living an incredibly fortunate life that's been gifted to me by two loving parents. Where did the the love of baseball then came from from your your father? Your, you know, and, and the most ironic thing about that, the first time they ever met me in the orphanage, they brought me out in baseball pajamas. <laughs> It was a little baseball onesie. And for some reason it was pink because I guess they don't differentiate boy colors from girl colors over there, but it was pink and it had gloves and bats on it. And then they brought me home and my dad, he played baseball all the way through high school and it was his favorite game. He loves it. He's a diehard Yankees fan. He instilled that in me as well, (laughs) but he really fed it to me. And from the time I could walk me and him, as far as I can remember, would always go out back and play catch go out back and hit like a wiffle ball or something and he to this day is still one of the most important people when it comes to my development and re-strengthening my arm because sometimes I don't have the time necessarily to go somewhere and go throw and go do all my routine and he's always just like all right stretch out I'll be home from work in 10 minutes you and me can go to the field you can get your long toss in I I'm still he I'm still leaning on him more than he realizes it's, it's amazing to have that bond too that you'll always have. I mean, it's yeah. kind of field of dreams ish, I guess, in a way, right? It's, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's the, the best part about that movie is the amount of truth to it. You know, it's uh, that, uh, that end, that last scene of Field of Dreams, it always gets me. I always break down crying because it just made, reminds me of playing catch out back with my dad. And I, I really can't think of anything better than that. Whenever I have a bad day, that's all, that's all I look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. No. You mentioned something kind of in passing in that uh, with the re-strengthening of your elbow um, that, mm-hmm. you know, again, obviously a lot of people watching this will know, but, but we hope so many people watch this that they don't know your, your full story. Um, you got a very unique situation in that you're you, senior committed mm-hmm. to a, a major D1 program that, that, you know, an NCAA qualifier, Big Ten. Um, high level baseball, and you've only thrown three varsity innings in your <laughs> high school career, right? And those three innings were under a lot of uh, were not under ideal sh- circumstances. 
say the least. Yeah. Um, so so my tough. junior, my junior fall. So following the COVID year, right? There was honestly there was so much that led up to it that I I can't pinpoint it on one thing. But I actually ended up only very luckily only with a strain of my UCL, and I saw Doctor Ahmad. Uh, he works with the Yankees primarily. And he gave me three rounds of PRP shots in my elbow. And I've been rehabbing it ever since. I finally called it quits in May of last year um, after I um, crapped the bed against Bergen Catholic and gave up like three runs. And I was just in absolute tremendous pain the entire time because what I did was my very genius self. I injured my arm my fall of junior year and then I decided it would be a good idea oh let me go through all pitching training in the winter let me go through the entire spring season I can play through it it's nothing it's fine it'll be better and I think there was another part of me kind of a deep down nagging voice like if you don't play this year then what do you what are you you got to prove like oh you're you're division one commit You, you have to go out and try to prove to yourself and everybody else I think it was more trying to prove to myself I think it was kind of an egotistical move. And I really think letting go of that ego was big in me really reaching out for help and really understanding, hey, I'm injured. I need to go see somebody. I need to take time off. and I need to get this right. But it couldn't have happened at a better time, which is the funny thing about it. Um, Happened a couple of weeks, even months later than I don't know where I'd be at for spring this year or let alone coming to campus at Maryland and next year. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, what about the role that, uh, I mean, you've done your rehab or most of your work at, at power arm Ramsey, right? I've actually done most of my rehab. I worked with uh, Greg Spatz and resilient out of the annex in Chatham. Okay. Yep. Uh, the annex, great, great place. Resilient, amazing physical therapy program. Those guys really know what they're doing. And I've actually, I actually went through them because they were the first people Dr. Ahmad recommended to me. And I've had friends that have gone through the same PRP shot procedure with their arms, gone through rehab with resilient and came back thrown way better than they did before. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, Ryan Sprock, mm-hmm. he's a pitcher at Seton all going to Elon. Yep. That kid's a stud. He was having the same issue as I was, uh, chronic pain. And so he went and saw Ahmad. He, uh, got his strain fixed and then he rehabbed it with um greg out of the annex and he's been 93 94 just an absolute animal ever since so i I had a lot of faith in their program going in and you've been throwing some of your best since uh i mean not 100 percent, obviously yet (laughs) but but still as far as uh efficiency and movement and I think you mentioned you got yourself in a little bit better shape over uh yeah just a little bit no more no more Um, big (laughs) <laughs> no more big Zach. Um, I think really, I think that was one of the biggest contributing factors. And when people look at arm injuries, they're like, oh, what's oh, what was the immediate cause? Arm injuries don't just happen overnight and they don't necessarily happen with one thing. It comes from a string of bad habits and bad procedural ideas. And I know that happened. It started over quarantine with me um, when we were all at home, kind of stuck in our house and I couldn't do much. I know my sleep schedule was jacked up. My diet was jacked up. I wasn't doing what was necessary to keep my body in shape and keep everything in check. I I, truthfully, I got lazy. I got complacent and I paid the price for it. And so all throughout summer, didn't necessarily feel the best, but it was still there. It was still good. And then fall season, my, 
you'll see I, I made a lot of immature egotistical decisions last two, three years ago. Um, so I decided it would be a good idea after three weeks of not throwing to go out and throw 90 pitches just out of the blue, just because why not? And that was when it really kind of felt like the beginning of the end of normalcy in my arm. Of you? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then it was uh, kind of the weak rest of the fall. The only other upside was I went and played with Kane's American down at the WWBA. And that was my last event because my arm was just absolutely shot by that point. And I got, I'm fortunate for that because we got a ring out of it and we got to meet um, the Morissettes. Wagner is going to be going to Maryland with me. He's another right-handed pitcher. He's from North Carolina mm -hmm. and he's a great guy. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, you, you, I know you're being tough on yourself and saying these are egotistical. How much of it you think was, you know, you've got to, you got, you're playing with all these guys at, at Don Bosco that, you know, have the, you know, Caden Dana, obviously, um, Kevin Jackson, who's, who's recovering as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you got a couple of other guys who are major D1 commits and you, you're sort of the new guy still <laughs> in that, you know, you didn't kind of come up with them. You came up as an opponent and, I mean, was it that you felt like you had to prove it in your mind? I don't know if it's prove it to yourself that you belong there or prove it to them that you belong there. You see, I'd say it was prove it to them, but I actually thought about that for a long time and it was more trying to prove to myself that I belonged there. Yeah. Because there was definitely knowing that I was injured, knowing I was out of shape, that definitely took a hit on my psyche. And I think I felt like I needed to go out there and just try at least. But it was hard, truthfully, to admit that I needed to recover because I was really jacked up. And I, I, I have trouble admitting when I need help for a lot of things, whether it be academically, et cetera. But um, this was big. That was, that was pretty big. It definitely was a more proving to myself that I belonged there situation. Yeah. Um... And now you're throwing somebody, like I said, you're most efficient, um, best movement, right? And I think we're pretty optimistic of, of that leading to, you know, what you were doing before might have got you noticed and, and signing with Maryland. But, I mean, there's, there's, you know, when you're hitting low 90s, but, you know, there's a lot more left in the tank. That, that's got to be a good feeling. Oh, yeah. It uh, leaves you just pumped, just pumped to keep working, pumped to go in there every single day and just grind it out. And truthfully, I owe the efficiency to Andrew Ojeda at Power Arm. He stresses mobility. And I really think that that is a very important factor and honestly overlooked by most young athletes, especially pitchers. Um, I get weird looks when kids see me almost able to do a full split. <laughs> but I'm just like, ah, oh, that's what I can do. Yeah, and, and and you look at there's there's some guys, you know, down this way, Mike Adams over at BPC, you know, mm -hmm. training everybody that that is it's about five nine, five ten, one seventies. He's up in the in the triple digits. It's it's you know, everybody is just bigger, 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 or or more mass, and that's true to a point, but if it's efficient, if you, efficient, efficient is the yeah, right mentality. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it'll be it'll be a great to see i'm sure you're you know excited to get go through the ramp up in the end of the season probably going to be tough to uh to contain your uh your excitement <laughs> to get going but um you know what are the goals for for this year 
goals for this year uh, to be able to throw without pain. <laughs> but I mean, we're already there. Um, yeah, that's been accomplished, I think. I mean, I, I don't want to set any ridiculous goals, but um, I want to go out there and I want to be able to impact on Bosco baseball. I want to help be a key member of that team and our fortunately very talented pitching staff. And hopefully see where that goes. I'm not going to jump the gun because ever since I transferred, all the kids were like, oh, we're going to win the state this year. Didn't work out that way, but um, I think we got a good shot at going pretty deep this year. Yeah. Um, had to be rough last year, I guess, especially not just the physical pain, but, but kind of the, the pain or, or feeling of, you know, the team needed an extra arm or needed something to kind of get everything right. And just not being a, there was just no way you could contribute it the way that you're capable of contributing. Yes, that was a, that was painful. Truthfully, uh, seeing your team struggle, seeing your team take your lumps. And even though you're not necessarily like a member that's in, as invested because you haven't been there as long, it, it hurts because these are still your friends that you've known for years yeah. and you still want to go and succeed. And there's always that deep sense of urge of I need to win. And uh, when you're in a situation that you can't go out and win or even go out and compete, it's it's really difficult. For sure. A couple other things we picked up. Uh animal uh, cruelty uh, that, that's something that's become an important thing for you um i'd say the biggest thing for me is, is animal cruelty and that kind of plays in with uh environmental climate change for me which i see as two of the most if not the single most pressing matters uh facing my generation in particular because it's something that we're starting to see ramifications of yeah so where did, how did that become you know, 17 year uh, high school senior baseball player D1. That's not usually the number one. Uh, I'm not saying it's your number one thought, but it's not usually a, a, a thing for, for most. So where did that where did that come from? I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I just started doing research on my own time. And I think the thing for me was I noticed year after year, the fall and the spring seemed shorter and shorter, which are kind of those in between months. Like I know for the past, this was the first year that's happened in a while, but the leaves change colors and they stayed different colors for many, many weeks. I, mean, I know for the past like four or five years, they've just gone brown and fallen off probably within the span of a week. And then that got me researching pollution. And then that obviously led down the rabbit hole of um, what are the biggest pollutants? Um, what tends to contribute the most harmful carbon into the atmosphere? Um, and it comes back to, honestly, the farm system that we have for meat in this country, which is unsustainable. And it's um, the way the animals are kept is absolutely appalling. And that's actually why I've made the shift. I, I don't really get most of my protein, uh, which I actually need on my um, regimen. I don't, I don't really eat meat. I'll eat maybe chicken once a week for salmon once a month but other than that I, I stay away from red meat I stay away from pork I stay away from beef because I I've seen videos and I've I actually have a friend who I grew up with who owns a farm where they slaughter cattle and pigs down in North Carolina now yeah. and it's it's just disturbing to me I guess we could probably also make the correlation to you being in the best shape you've ever been too but you know <laughs> that that would be uh 
I guess a side benefit that, that probably wasn't what you were, uh, you know, wasn't what the plan was, but you're, you're able to keep the diet where you need to be, obviously, with, uh, with protein and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And it was more limiting the refined carbohydrates. I, uh, I had a thing for bagels. <laughs> I liked bagels a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snack. That might be too much, right? <laughs> yeah, two or three bagels a day. Eh, it's not good. No. no. <laughs> um, couple random questions here for you. You already kind of spilled the beans on your favorite team earlier. Um, not feeling good. Not feeling not good about it. I wouldn't think, right? Maybe by no. the time it actually airs, you will. But but favorite Yankee? All time or current? Both. Mo. You got to go with Mo. There's no other answer. Definitely. You definitely better, right? <laughs> I've actually, I actually was fortunate enough to meet Mariano Rivera when I was 10 years old. Um, he ran a tournament out of the facility that I used to train out of. And he's just a great guy. He, he took the time to come up to each and every one of the little 10 year old teams running around, introduce himself, talk with all of us. And really his pitching style is just unmatched. I've read so many books on him. I've read his books. He's, he's an excellent guy. And uh, more than baseball, he has the right values. And um, definitely definitely a key part that really instilled the importance of family in me. And uh, just somebody I admire all around, in addition to being just the absolute animal he was when he played. Yeah. I love his pitch. I, you know, it, to me, it was just, I know, you know, what's coming and I know what I'm throwing and I, I throw it better than you can hit it, you know, and it, I can throw it wherever I want and you, it's nothing you're going to do, you know, it's just, and that's not even arrogance. That's, that's confidence. No. Yeah. That's just exactly. extreme confidence. That's, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's the, the way he carries himself is, is, you know, shows that it's confidence. I mean, he, he literally, he believes that right? you don't believe it. I think it's arrogance, but. You know, yeah. he, he believed it. He walked it. He 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 was the man, and and unfortunately, and he was he was also never the guy to go around toting it. He was always the guy right. to keep it quiet. It was uh, that brings me back to uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Speak softly, carry big stick. Is that you on the mound? Mm. I'm more the guy that's thinking I'm going to put this down your throat, and I know this is not going to be touched. But uh, last year that wasn't the case. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, well, you're you're healthy now, so let's. Uh, yeah, that that confidence on the mound still goes a long way. Um, favorite, if you could be D one in something other than baseball, another sport, hockey. Hockey is my second favorite sport, without a doubt. So that is that I, is the Russian blood in you. <laughs> yeah, it is the Russian blood. There's just something to say, like the fact that those guys can stay on those skates, keep up that pace for yeah. the entire game, and manage to control the stick with the puck. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a beautiful game and it's awesome to watch. Absolutely. Um, That's why the movie miracle upsets me. The Russians should have won. <laughs> the only person that I have ever spoken to who said that. Yes, but <laughs> that's all right. I understand. Um, Great underdog story, but I got to support the motherland, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, if if everyday activities were Olympic sports, what would you get a gold medal in? Sleeping. 
because of, of length of, of, of sleep, ability to fall asleep whenever? What, what gives you that goal? What gives you the right to say that you're a gold medal sleeper? Quality of sleep. Okay. <laughs> but Certainly other than that, it would be, uh, the other gold medal would probably be in changing my outfit seven times a day. <laughs> uh, favorite music? Ooh. I'm a heavy death metal guy lately. But other than that, I, I'm honestly a big groove or thrash metal guy. But that's not my go-to. I, I'm a big country guy in my spare time. <laughs> kind of diverse, but that's that's you, right? That's that's good. All over the place. I'll listen to whatever you put on, just not just not pop. As long as it's good. As long as it's tolerable. That's right. That's right. Um last question. Mm-hmm. I guess we're still close enough to it, but what was your favorite Halloween costume ever growing up? You know, I have been dressed up for Halloween in probably five, six years. It wasn't really my favorite holiday, but I got to say, I think it was uh, Jack Sparrow from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Nice. I had a little hat that had a built-in wig. I had like the full 1700s garbs, a little, little plastic sword that I couldn't bring to school because it's like a no weapon policy. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, that, that was definitely, the, that or Indiana Jones were the best costumes I had growing up. Don't you know, pump it up. You got to pump it up. Don't you know, pump it up. You got to pump it up.